Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Good morning, y'all. It's Monday, September 21st. And hey, guess what? We're now streaming on Amazon Music. They recently added podcasts and your favorite tech news podcast can now be found there. And also ours. That's the joke. Did you laugh? (laughs) Okay. Also, uh, we have Gina Rosenthal on the show with us today. You might remember her from such former episodes as the one she was on previously. Good morning. How am I doing? Am I warming the crowd up? (laughs) I'm going to need more coffee. (laughs) Gina, welcome back. (laughs) Thank you. It's definitely a Monday, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. And uh, so you just tweeted about us right before you got on, and I saw something else somewhere, I can't remember, already this morning, referencing today being September 21st, which I think is in a lyric from an Earth, Wind, and Fire song that became some sort of internet meme, but I have no idea. Can you educate us? I like, I'm shocked. Are you serious? You don't know about the song? <laughs> no, well, I know who Earth, Wind, and Fire is. Do you, I mean, you have heard the song, the September Probably. song. Probably. Probably. There's, what is yeah, it? there's, the there's the a September song. First of all, Earth, Wind, and Fire is amazing. They You have to listen to their whole catalog. <laughs> you need to listen to them because they're amazing. And, but um, yeah, there's a there's a line in their September song about the 21st night of September. <sighs> so, today is the day you play and listen to that song and all of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Wow. How did it become an internet meme? Like, what's the what's the thing here? Uh, that's it. Like, there is... <laughs> How does anything become an internet meme? (laughs) Number one, it's an awesome song. Number two, it says the 21st night of September, and that's it. (laughs) Boom. Oh, that's the song. Done. Story's over. That's the song. Okay. It was a super popular song. Uh, I did not know that that was by them or that that was that song until you. I am so. Okay. You guys need to Spotify. I'm not good with music. No, I'm terrible with music. You need to pull out, pull out Spotify, put Earth, Wind, and Fire on in the background. It, it will make you move, and you will feel so good all day. You should do it. I'm going to play it while I'm on meetings today. I'm going to blast it's gonna be it up. my background music or entrance music. <laughs> I, got, I got lucky. My neighbors in my new house are cool with whatever music is being played because the way that the house is set up right now, which is not set up, um, all of my speakers in my garage and on my patio basically <laughs> just right. blanket their backyard with sound. <laughs> yeah. and, since, and since every speaker in my entire house, which there are a lot of, uh, are always attached to Alexa devices and are playing in one giant group, it's, uh, it is quite the concert. Um, they get a laugh out of it, too. They, we started joking because my Wi-Fi blankets their house as well. Um, I haven't <laughs> that. It, 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 it's hilarious. Like I move in, and within a day, I've got my Wi-Fi set up going. I've got an interbuilding links and stuff. And they they have like an extension cord coming out of their attic with a repeater on it just trying to get something to their garage. And, <laughs> and like... By the afternoon of the morning, we're unpacking boxes, right? My Wi-Fi goes to the swing they have on the far side of their garage and like down <laughs> to the back of the creek. And they, they were just like, why don't we just, we're just going to attach our Alexas to your world and just, we're just going to expand this network of speakers. <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> All right. We have some news we want to get into. I think Gina wrote a, a blog about something she wants to talk about today. I don't know if y'all have heard anything about uh, TikTok, if you've heard of this thing. What is TikTok? I, I have not heard we'll of it. We'll get into it. Um, I have a little bit of a wild story to share real quick. Uh, I don't know how wild this really is, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Do y'all remember the Magic Jack? I do. No. That was... Uh, uh, I, I only found out about it. Uh, it. It's for VoIP calling, right? It, yeah. It, yeah, there it gives was you a landline number. Yes. And yeah. uh, so the only reason I'm familiar with it, because I don't do anything with landlines and haven't for almost as long as I can remember, right? My parents had one until I got them to finally let it go. Um, but it was super useful for U.S. expatriates overseas because you could ah. keep a U.S.-based landline number and, of course, just jack it in and have conversations. So you wouldn't pay international uh, rates for um, long-distance calls because you had a local U.S. number that was easily accessible overseas. Interesting. Well, yeah. so fun fact, today's the birthday of the inventor of the Magic Jack. He was born in 1961, Dan Borislow. And I was reading a little bit about him, just trying to find some interesting stuff in here. And he actually, so he had a number of hobbies, but one of them was um, watching sports. And I guess he also owned a, a racing horse, all this kind of stuff. In May 25th of 2014, on May 25th, rather, uh, he won six, a little over six and a half million dollars with the only ticket to have the winners of the final six races on Gulfstream's card. Right, that's awesome. And it goes if you go read his Wikipedia thing, it goes into all the details of what he bet and how he bet. He spent seven thousand six hundred dollars. Right? Yes, yeah, horse racing. Yeah. You said Gulfstream. I wasn't familiar. That's awesome and ridiculous. And yeah, I don't know if anybody's into statistics and and the way that betting works. I I'm not going to lie. What, looking at horse racing is probably more fun on paper for anybody that's into that than any other kind of betting, in my opinion. Like you look at how they structure bets, you know, the box bets, uh, you can basically have random orders. And of course, it changes your odds versus picking like the first four horses in order, that sort of stuff. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. So he spent $7,600 on that one specific bet that won him the Gosh, over $6 million. Dollars. Yeah. Or $6.6 million. Anyway, there's some interesting reading on there. There's a he uh, he bought a uh, a women's soccer team that he renamed to Magic Jack. Uh, I can't remember the name of the. I thought that, was, <laughs> that was pretty silly. That's awesome. Uh, they were like the uh, I don't remember. They were like the Wizards or something. No, I hope uh, it was his mortal enemies, like wife's or daughter's soccer team. What? <laughs> that would just be funny. Right, like okay, you're bringing some weird energy on a Monday. Let oh. me let me just get through this so we can get to Gina real quick. <laughs> but he, uh, so he, this was in 2011. Uh, so this was before he won the uh, the the horse racing thing. Anyway, Washington Freedom. He moved them to South Florida, renamed them the Magic Jack, and then there's some like weird legal issue that I guess he got into. The team shut down, um, but he had. Uh, brought in some of the, let's see, the U.S. national women's soccer team, big stars to his team uh, because he was willing to pay uh, well above the league average, which was $25,000 a year. Uh, Abby Wambach, Hope Solo, if you know those names, uh, they mm. played for Magic Jack back then. So fun cool. facts. Uh, huh. So the last thing I have on this story, he won that $6.6 .6 million on May 25th, and then he died two months later, heart attack, uh, playing soccer. Oh, so, 
Yeah, just adult league. I'm bringing match. weird energy. How's that for a downer? Yeah, well, I, I mean, Shoot. it's just like how did I'm I don't out. know? It was it was a weird rabbit trail to go down, but I just like I knew what the Magic Jack was, but didn't know anything about its inventor or anything. And he has kind of an interesting um, set of facts here, but that was that was sad to see for sure. Okay, now that I've got you all in the right mood, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, well let's, done. Let's get. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's uh, let's get moving on here. Um, Gina, let's, uh, just start out with your stuff, your news, what you wanted to come on and talk about, and, uh, we'll take it from there. Well, I mean, you talk about rabbit holes. I think the whole TikTok thing is one of those rabbit holes. Um, and you know, I'm really big into information and really big into how information is shared. And I think this whole thing has been an interesting, um, exercise in trying to find primary sources to find out what the real news is. So you have um, TikTok and, and you see all of the all of the um, news stories say, oh, President Trump is banning TikTok. And it's a big deal, right? Because just in the U.S., there are 80 million monthly active users in the world. TikTok has over globally, it has 500 million users. Wow. So it's not a little thing. Um, and I was on it for like maybe two weeks and it just felt like okay, th- no, because it's addictive. It it does what it's supposed to do and it t- keeps you going. And the algorithm's different than most of other um, social media algorithms. And it, it knows how to put things in your face to addict you and meet introduce you to n- new places, which for me, that's what I like. And that's kind of what's dangerous, I think, about it, if it is controlled by the Chinese Communist Party. So um, when, it fir- when the first band first got announced, I was like, okay, this is how could Trump actually do this? How is he figuring out how to ban such a popular app and why would he want to? Um, And that's what I looked at first. And that's what I wrote the blog post on. There's actually, and I don't remember the actual name of the acronym, so I'm going to have to look at my blog post, but um, there is actually a, a, a power that's been handed to the president and it was handed to him way back, handed to the presidential office, Years and years ago, back when I was very young, um, (laughs) back in the 80s, um, I think in the 80s, maybe the 70s, but it was in response to all the fuss about Japan outdoing us on technology. And so that used to be the big thing. Japan was the enemy. Don't buy, don't buy foreign cars. That used to be the, the, the thing that people fussed about. So they, they created this thing called the International Emergency Economic Powers Act. And it's actually an add-on to the Trading with the Enemy Act. The Trading with the Enemy Act was made um, in the World Wars so that you wouldn't be able to go and accept like Nazi Germany's money to provide them with hardware. IBM found ways around that, but (laughs) <laughs> That's what the idea was. If, if we've got a sworn enemy, you're not going to trade with them. And if you've ever had to do any kind of marketing or product management, there's a list of um, of companies that you can't sell to, and it's because yeah. they're on that they're on that list. So IEPA went a little bit further, and then the Trading with the Enemy Act, and this is gives the president the power to say, okay, there is a um, national emergency. Um, I'm declaring this national emergency in response to an unusual and extraordinary threat to the United States. So of course, after 9-11, that became even more focused on certain things. 
So, so the president has the power if something looks like it's really, really dangerous to say, okay, you can't do that merger. So an example that Trump did do very recently was with um, Grindr. Grindr got acquired by a Chinese company. And of course, Grindr is very popular with gay men, um, um, a dating app. And they were worried that, you know, here in the U.S., if the Chinese Communist Party can control what happens, why are they, if they're gathering all of our information, what does that mean for someone who is not out and who doesn't want to be out? And so what does that mean mm-hmm. to be able to, um, to, to live your life without an, and somebody else interfering with it? And they actually did block that merger. So this is the same kind of thing. So this is where it gets really murky and kind of confusing for me in my head and heart. Um, I absolutely believe that there is a security danger from TikTok. And um, it's very maddening to see, you know, now that you've got Oracle come in and, and made a deal and said that they will be the trusted technology partner and the trusted private cloud Um trusted cloud provider for uh for tiktok and everyone's talking about people's personal data this is not about your pictures or what you post you know or the content that you put up on tiktok this is about how you interact with the app and probably more specifically how the algorithm sees what you do and what information the algorithm is is sucking up and what's happening to the information it makes from the data points of how you interact with this app. What happens to that information that the algorithm pulls out who sees it and what kind of decisions are made on those informations that might impact you later. So I, I believe there probably is a very real security threat from TikTok. Um, the, what is frustrating is watching the news about it. The news is all about president, you know, Trump is very, you know, um, controversial, I guess, figure in our country right now. So President Trump is banning TikTok. Is this okay? And then to see this deal that happened, and I, I am going to write a blog post about this as well, to see the reporting on it is makes me furious. Like, first of all, the, the data privacy thing. It is not about your data. It is about the data points the algorithm pulls out and turns into information and uses in some kind of way. And that hasn't been changed because during the middle of this, when the ban was announced and Trump gave them time to go make a deal with, to, with a American company. Microsoft wanted it and TikTok turned them down. And in the middle of the Microsoft negotiations, the Chinese government came out and said, okay, if you are looking at um, doing any kind of mergers, acquisitions outside the country, if you've got these algorithms, you're not allowed to do it. So China was basically like, no, we got this really sweet algorithm. You're not going to sell that to anybody or give that to any other company via a merger. So Microsoft bowed out and I can't find any information, you know, about what happened there and any first source information, why they bowed out or why TikTok decided not to go forward with them. But then you have Oracle all of a sudden stepping in. And what's happening now is there's going to be a TikTok is the, the their parent company is ByteDance, which is the Chinese company. TikTok is going to be publicly traded. Oracle's going to have a good chunk of it. Walmart's going to have a, a chunk of it. Um, they don't have to give up their algorithm. They don't have to make a shadow algorithm. They're using the same algorithm. And the, and the ByteDance, the Chinese company, retains 80% c- 
control of the U.S. subsidiary, the U.S. company that's going to be spun out, right? So um, if you've done any dealings with China, you know that the Chinese government controls everything that happens with commerce in China. Um, so that, that the question still remains, if the algorithm doesn't change, and if U.S. companies really don't have that much of a stake in the new U.S. company that's being formed, what's what's going to happen? And why is Oracle involved and okay with just shepherding it through? And there's questions there about, you know, Oracle's origins and who Oracle's big customers are, um, which are the NSA and ICE and, and government agencies like that, who could probably use this kind of algorithm to create a different application. It wouldn't be TikTok. It'd be ad- adding to their own applications they already have to be able to pull more data points about how people, who people are to feed a different application. So that's, it's, it's actually almost a domestic danger as well at this point. And I, you guys haven't interrupted me at all. It's kind yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> well, I, so I, I do have a point that I think is, is important to point out. So if, if anyone who hasn't watched the social dilemma, um, there is a, they, they stated something very, very plainly that I do believe and the majority of people get mixed up. Right. And that is, and you've, you've kind of alluded to it multiple times, which is, you know, the reason why people don't like Facebook or Google or whatever is they're like, well, you, they sell your data. And, and the point that was brought up in the social dilemma that I just thought was fantastic was it is not in their interest to sell your data. Mm-hmm. They are not selling your data, but more so they are selling an expected behavior from you that they can influence. And these algorithms are the things that give them that information to be able to sell to the highest bidder. And that is a very, very key aspect here is that the, is that the algorithm is, is not up in this deal. It is not something that's going to be able to come over. And I think for anyone who, you know, will watch something like the social dilemma and then have maybe thoughts they didn't have before about what these things do and why, should probably look at this and be very concerned uh, with with anything that's going out there. And I, I have a little snippet here uh, that I thought was interesting is is really the way potentially that Trump is viewing this, which, you know, who knows how well that, that'll go. It says, over the weekend, Trump said that the new TikTok Global, which is going to be the U.S. subsidiary that, you know, controls everything here supposedly, will have nothing to do with any outside land, any outside country. It will have nothing to do with China. It'll be totally secure. That'll be part of the deal. And then immediately after that, it says Beijing's base ByteDance majority ownership of TikTok appears to contradict that. Just, <laughs> just immediately, just on the surface. <laughs> <laughs> and and so that's that's kind of the interesting thing here is it's like yes, there's you know the some U.S. companies or or whatever you want to call it are are getting some benefit out of this, and maybe Trump views that as a win. They're saying that Walmart and Oracle are able to review the code, um, but not, you know, but they can't have the algorithm. And I think it's something important to state that once again, referencing the social dilemma is that some of these very, very intelligent people who are part of creating some of these algorithms will point out to you that there is no one person or no group of people who can truly control the behavior of these algorithms at this point because they are self-learning. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you could just externally review this code and understand its behavior, I think is laughable. Well, yeah, uh, that's here, absurd. Here's the deal too. Like, let's think about this as architects, right? Let's think about just in general, because this is where our world is going, 
right? From an from just a, a, a IT architect perspective, right? Because there was another huge um, announcement in the IT world um, that happened during all of this, which was NVIDIA and ARM. So we've got to look at like, what are the, if we're looking at this from an architectural perspective, we need to understand the applications. TikTok is the application. So you're going to have to keep that application up all the time. But the other piece of it is this algorithm. And the algorithm is what powers TikTok and what makes, they take your, what it thinks it knows about you. And it continues to learn about you based on your behavior in the app from posting, from observing, from not observing, from all the things. Um, and it continues to try to refine how you will stay on the app to keep that app sticky to keep you there. That's what all these algorithms are doing. That algorithm is what powers the app. It's not the app. So that algorithm rhythm can be used for a different app as well. So great. The NSA gets to look at the code. That's freaking scary. <laughs> so, I mean, Oracle does. Oracle gets to look at the code. They're able to build now an algorithm for their private um, cloud. They're not their private cloud. Their, their cloud that they're building, their public cloud that they're building to offer as a service to the government. I mean, for me, that's where I go to first is, is that. Oh, and they can you know, offer the that, algorithm as a service? The algorithm. That's what you're saying? No, the algorithm it will will fuel an application that will be a service. Right, right, right. Right? But that yeah. algorithm that TikTok has is more is more efficient than Facebook's. So it is no. and if I say that Facebook's, you know, of course I think it's dangerous. And I mean we saw it in the last election that the services provided by that algorithm enabled Russian actors to narrow in on people in my part of my hometown black women who were going to vote for Hillary and convince them not to vote to by showing them by making sure what landed in their stream was super racist from Hillary, right? Little edited tidbits. That's literally how the Russians used that Facebook's algorithm to sway the election is to sway people not to vote. So uh, the algorithm on Facebook is if you're a marketer, or if you're somebody that's trying to get something across to somebody else, you can zero in on the five most probable people in the entire universe that we know that would want to to listen and pay attention. Yeah, and, that's that's really fascinating too, especially, you know, your your comment just so people don't miss it. TikToks arguably is more efficient than yes. that. Yeah. That's that's incredible. Hey, and let's that, um that's what's to be afraid of, and then to be afraid. Of, of what happens with the communist, the Chinese communist party, because they can, I mean, if you're the, the other thing we're not talking about with TikTok, and I kind of left it on the side was WeChat. So WeChat is how lots and lots of people um, in the States, that's how they communicate with their family back in China. That's how they send money to them. That's how, that's how they communicate. So that also um, a judge came out last night with a first amendment, um, argument over the legality of Trump being able to shut down that app. What are you, what's your stance on WeChat? Should we not do that? I don't do anything like that, but I don't have, you know, if I had family in China or, you know, people that I needed to be with, you know, communicate with in China, I probably would use it and just be really careful, I guess. But my little sister has to travel um, there for work on the rare occasion. Uh, not right now, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when I say my little sister, I mean, she's 
she's treated like my daughter. She's, she's nine and a half years younger than me. Um, I mean, I had a bank account set up for her when she was in college. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so whenever she's traveling to China, all 90 pounds of her by herself and she's like yeah. 23 years old, uh, you bet that people in my family are going to have, you know, whatever the required form of communication yeah. is, yeah. Um, is, you know, is, is going to be used. And that's unfortunately that. because of the way the country works, it's, you just don't really have a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, and I get and that. that's what it boils down to. I get it. I, I totally get that. Um, but hey, I want to do a uh, plug your blog real quick. You mentioned it a couple of times, digital solutions.com slash blog is where you can find the article that Gina was talking about. Yeah. And I'll put another one up. Cause it, what the main thing that, you know, I wanted to talk about is there's so much, of course there's so much sensationalism around it. I'm, you know, my mom staying with me um, has been here since the pandemic started um, from Northwest Florida. And so she sees me react to stuff and I get so aggravated when stuff is obviously, you know, uh, just for the headlines. And I, I think there's a real problem with just looking at a headline and, and um, going with it. Um, because I, I kept wondering like, what's in this for Trump? What's in this for him to come out saying he's doing this deal and, you know, and I think that will be interesting and history will, will show what that actually is. But lots of, I think his reelection is what is what's in it for him <laughs> in his mind. Right. And then, I mean, speaking of, of Trump and headlines and trying to understand them, um, here's one. And so if you go to techmeme.com, you know, and I feel like we talk about TikTok a lot on this show, um, but it's always in the news. It's always confusing yeah, it's, in terms of, news right you now. know, he said, she sh- said all this kind of stuff. Well, the the second item um, in the list today here is Trump says he wants the five billion dollar pledged from the companies making the new U.S. based TikTok venture put toward teaching U.S. children quote the real history of our country. What does that mean? <laughs> so that is a question. I'm I'm really big on especially this one um, this topic chasing down the first the primary sources. So where did that quote come from? It came from a campaign rally. Um, and that's the first time he said that the five billion is billions, right? Five billion dollars. Yeah, billion his, with a B. To his 1776 um, initiative. Um, you guys know about that, right? I'm seeing it in the headlines here. No, I did not know about it otherwise. So he, I, I, I don't know about it either. So, so there's a. Uh, a I'm seeing quotes like the real history, not the fake history. Right. So people saying the five billion dollars is a bribe. I can't remember uh, I mean, what this thing is called. I'm looking for it really quick. So there's a um, patriotic education. There's a bunch of people there. They're the New York. Hang on. What is it? I'm trying to okay. find it. I will. I will okay. tell you that my view on the history topic is very much so of a, I'm, you know, we learn from our past sort of thing. So I don't want to see things erased. And, and I will say we have seen that. And even the difference between myself and my sister. So like I said, nine years, there was a very, and I can't give specific examples because it's been 15 almost 20 years at this point. We're getting but, old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do remember at the times that, that school was very, very different just between that nine-year gap on what yeah. they were willing and, and, and even able, I guess, in some respects to talk about. And I think from a history perspective, that is a shame. Uh, because I, I think we need to I, I not only not forget the the things the the good and the bad things of the past, but we we need to we need to ensure that we are we are learning from those things, and we won't if we don't discuss them. That's right. That so the New York Times had um, there's something called the 1619 Project, 
1619 was the first slave ship that arrived in America. And so it talks about America from the, um, you know, our, our history from the standpoint of, you know, yeah, we have these great ideals and you look at our constitution and you look at, you know, everything that the founding fathers did. And that was amazing. But at the same time, they actually used people as slaves, you know, and we fought an entire war. We had half the country succeed and, um, and fight a war over whether or not we should have slaves. And so, you know, that, that project, um, it's actually very interesting. And some friends and I are talking about maybe doing a reading, you know, an online reading group and going through it, because I think there's also things that are, there, there's, there's some problematic things that would be interesting about, you know, talking with people that are open to talking about the history of things. Cause I feel like, you know, we, we are sitting here on stolen land in a country that was built by stolen people. And until we really talk about what happened, like none of us were there, all of us are products of it. So if we don't talk about that and try to figure out the steps forward and try to clean it up and clean that wound and heal it, we can't move forward. And there's so many of us, like you just said, that want to do that. And the 1776 project is, and that's where all of this is coming from. It's direct opposition to the idea that we should look into our past and say, here's what really happened. And it really sucked. How can we make, how can we heal this and go forward? So (laughs) that's where it came from. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But, but I, I think that, that 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 seeing that even that five billion dollars, I can't find a first source reference. It's in the Department of Commerce. Um, it was in the Department of Commerce's statement of shutting them down. So um, because they 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 said yes, we'll do that. They're they're not shutting them down, of course. And the Oracle deal is going through. But I can't find any first. I can't find anything that says that that Byte Dance said, yeah, we'll, we'll pay y'all $5 billion specifically for the 1776 project. I can't find anything. For yeah. In fact, they're quoted as saying, I didn't see that as part of the deal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see that. I really want to see the deal documents. That would be great to see some first, that yeah. first. And that's what I'm going to, that's my big recommendation to everybody. If you see something that sounds like, what the hell? Just do. Well, that's all of Googling. it. It all, it all reads like that. I mean, <laughs> I you, you come in here and it's like, okay, well, you know, this deadline was given. Oh, wait, never mind. Okay, we're going to allow this. Oh, wait, never mind. Oh, they're going to be an oversight committee. Oh, wait, that doesn't actually do anything. Never mind. Uh, we're going to allow this company to buy it. Oh, wait, never mind. Microsoft is involved. Oh, wait, never mind. Like over and yeah. over and over. And it's like, what it, is going on? It's important to to recognize that the the information spread is not meant to inform you. Yes. Right. It is meant to keep you looking at and talking about it. Yep. Correct. Like it, that's it, it what is it is doing exactly yeah. what it's designed to do. There's this, there's this methodology. It's, it's not a, I just, I learned it through nutritional science, but it's, it applies to all science. And so there's people talk all the time about, um, or at least I, I would explain to people all the time, you have to learn to disseminate good science from bad mm-hmm. science. Like that is a critical that skill. And, and, really it is. And, and I used, and I use this example. So one time I was having an extremely important argument over how boring of a basketball player Tim Duncan was versus how not boring. <laughs> oh, was. But he was so good and efficient. It was, reliable. It, was a, it was a really big moment in this country's history. And, and what was, what was interesting was, was I, you know, myself and the person who I was arguing with, who was a coworker, we took two very different approaches to to make our point. He went and Googled Tim Duncan, exciting player. 
When you go look for something on the internet, You're gonna you, get will, you will find supporting information about it. Yeah. As opposed to, like I'm telling you, as opposed to pointing out like uh, most boring players in NBA history or most exciting <laughs> players in NBA history, like you, where you'll get kind of a, you know, disseminating information, things that are relatively neutral. Like he took the approach of, looking for explicitly what he wanted to find in order to support his argument. And if you use the internet that way, you will be right 100% of the time. Wait, are you talking <laughs> about Facebook or Googling? <laughs> I mean, either way. But if, I'm if talking about Googling in this case. Never mind. If, if Never you're, mind. If you're uh, feeding the, the algorithm what your expectation is, you're going to get your expectation. Because it, it, it wants to, to provide you that. Ever. Right, absolutely. Absolutely, you know, 100%. You know, it's really, I'm going to tag onto this real quick just to piggyback, but um, there, there's a th – this topic is actually near and dear to me. Um, one of my favorite courses in college was about being able to differentiate good science from pseudoscience, science, science looking stuff that isn't. And the sort of just the logical way of stepping through ideas – to determine whether or not there is, you know, extreme fallacy or something else that is fundamentally wrong with the way that the information was processed or presented or, uh, you know, and we, we got a little bit more into the details, you know, kind of looking at how statistics can be used improperly and that sort of stuff. But something that actually came up recently for me, there is, uh, it, it's, um, it's actually really fascinating, but there's a... A couple of Yale graduates, I guess, founded a new website, and I, I forget when it was done, so it might not be that new, but I believe it was this year, um, called MedRxiv, um, and it, it is designed to more rapidly get scientific research out to the broader scientific community, but it is a publicly accessible site. So what it is, is a pre-review scientific research basically repository. Hmm. The problem with that is that now, to your point, Russ, you can literally go to that site and you can plug in the string you're looking for. Like, does 5G cause coronavirus spread? And you can get of a course. very scientific looking statistic paper, basically. So just a bunch of math and you know Greek symbols that almost certainly going to go way over your head with some references at the bottom, which makes it says, true. absolutely. Our conclusion is that 5g enhances the spread of COVID-19. Right. Yeah, and, and, and it says it's littered all over the site. Like this is all preprint material. Yeah. Don't make decisions based on this information. It's designed to get more of that data in front of people who can review it and do the test to try to move things forward faster. So I think they're coming from a good place, but holy cow is it a nightmare like well, i'm running into stuff now and it's just like i'm reading through it i am not like a formal statistician but i have a pretty strong background and i'll read through and i can see some of the things that are wrong in these papers well i'm not going to go and review them though yeah if it's if it's pre-review most of those papers won't make it past review so i oh, absolutely know Listen, and that's why it's important to understand. So, so my bachelor's degree is information studies, which is an information science degree from the library school of library science. And this is all we talked about is how do you identify primary yeah. sources? And nobody does that anymore. And no. somebody said something about the algorithms. That's why you want your news story to get in the algorithm. So you say these crazy things. Mm -hmm. But I was going to say about the what specifically what you were saying about coronavirus and 5G. Um, I listened to another podcast called TWIB, This Week in Virology. And it 
literally is the only thing keeping me sane <laughs> because it's virologists who have had a podcast way before there was um, coronavirus. And they basically, that's all they talk about now because you know it's the big news in their field. But it's like, listen to a bunch of old storage guys on a podcast. It's fantastic. They're really nerdy about what they do. And it's so <laughs> operational, some of the missteps. And um, that they reviewed a paper because they had had so many people asking them to that the news had gotten a hold of about um, um, about coronavirus and, proof, and it, this paper. It must have been on this site too. That um, that this was manufactured in a lab and it didn't come from nature, and so they kind of went through. It was kind of like being on a review yeah. session for a, a competitive doc. They just kind of went through piece by piece by piece why it was scientifically incorrect and not possible. All the things they were saying, yeah. But the which which is- by the way, like I share that passion with you when I, when you find those experts that can go through something and they can just pick apart, yes, you know how and why something is done. It's it's that. I wish everyone had the capacity, time, mental, all of it to learn how to parse information that way. But it's so easy to produce garbage and it's so easy to publish that garbage and then accelerate it through this sort of algorithmic approach. It's impossible for folks like that to keep up with it. But the thing is, is it's not, they're not producing garbage. So I think that's kind of a a misstatement. If you look at this- Sometimes they are, sometimes it's intentional. No, it's mostly intentional. There's a lot of this that's intentional because you've got people wanting their wanting their um, candidate to win the presidency. You've got there's proof now. There's a new Netflix documentary about the 2016 election and how it was hacked. Um, there's proof now that the the security folks are coming out saying they're hacking this election too, the same way they did the first one, and it's by not putting out garbage. They are strategically using the algorithms with false information backed by pseudoscience gotten from informa- information repositories like the one you're saying, in fact, creating the content for those repositories, knowing that it'll get rejected, but that they can have new cycles that are able to just sow confusion. Because you're right, who has the time? Maybe it's a semantics problem, though. That That's kind of my definition of garbage, right? Like you're, I, you're I hear what you're saying, but I, I think it's really, I think it's really important to, to realize that this is being done intentionally. This isn't being done because people. I see what you're saying. Malicious intent. Wrong, right. Sure. So, so it's, so, so it's hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rolling dumpster fire. Down your there you go. Come out aimed at your away. house. <laughs> aimed at your house. Exactly. Yeah. And somebody yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Fair. Fair you enough. Know, so I th- but I think it's important to realize that there is more information than ever before. And there is a lot of garbage that is intentionally created to make us crazy and to make us not know what to do, to feel like all hope is lost, to feel like there's no way to go, that this is going to go on forever. When that's not how things work, you know, every storm runs out of rain. This one will as well. And it's super duper important to look for those primary sources, look for those experts that can take something that is so crazy that you're like, what the hell? And, and dissect it and, and explain it to you. But that's not, that doesn't catch on with the algorithms. And so it takes yeah. work for the rest of us to push it and say, this will be okay. Here's what you need to pay attention to. Let's be honest. Most people don't make it too far past the headline. And, and it's been this way for years. I mean, I'm thinking to even yep. 15 years ago before social media was what, what it is today, you go to some, you know, a site that I frequented for a real long time, Tom's Hardware, 
Yep. You go into the comments section of an article and someone makes a comment. It's like, man, I really wish they would do this. And then like the person right below them will copy and paste Second the paragraph point in the article where it's like, <laughs> did you even read past the headline? Nope. And unfortunately, people it, don't and they draw conclusions. Where, where was it, it was Twitter. Wasn't Twitter doing that briefly? And maybe they still do. But it's like, before you retweet this, do you want to you maybe click the link? <laughs> oh no! What they were saying is they were detecting um, harsh language in your replies no, or retweets. No, there, it, it might have been like one oh. day, but I oh, distinctly yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember hitting a retweet link because I had That's read right. it probably because of the research we do for this show, and so I wanted to retweet it because somebody had shared the link to the article I had already read, and so I was going to retweet it out, and there was a little pop up, and it said, "Hey, you sure you want to share this before you even click it, buddy?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, you yeah, know, maybe, good maybe for Twitter." <laughs> hey, That's um, funny. Gina, this is wildly off topic, but I just remembered. I think I remember you saying that you bought the Sur Surface Duo or you're buying it. Do you have Whoa. it yet? No, no, no. I didn't get it. I, I couldn't. Oh, okay. You know, the reason I didn't um, is it was really cool looking because I had to get A lot of reasons. Because <laughs> it's a Microsoft flip phone. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. No. You, looked, I just it, set us up for for a pretty rough conversation here. No, no, no. I didn't get it because, like, it when you close it, it's really thick. Yeah. So yeah, I've I've had a couple of people make that point. They're like, it's not very pocketable. Yeah, and I don't have it. pockets as it is mostly on my clothes, so like, it just was super thick, and I could see like, you know, if I put it in my purse, I, I didn't see how you would put a. Uh, Number one, I drop everything, so I have to have really good. Um, <laughs> Got to be bulletproof. Cases. So I couldn't see how a case would work on it, and like if you cope, if I close it and stick it in my purse, like y'all don't have, I don't think y'all have purses, but like gun gets in your purse, whether you, you know, like you got to clean that out all the time, but like there's always stuff in the bottom of your purse and that that shouldn't be inside electronics. So like I don't know, there was a lot about it that I was just like, functionally, this isn't good for me. Fun yeah, fact, my, my daughter dropped my phone 20 feet um, this uh, this weekend uh, onto a hardwood floor, oh. and uh, it is perfectly fine. There's no problem That's with it. Incredible. I've actually never had a cracked screen, and so it made me think, like, while it happened, because I witnessed it, um, I was like, well, I think here, here comes my first cracked screen, was right. what I was thinking. And then it didn't, it, it didn't crack. And so, and, I, and I've dropped my phones out of like moving cars. I, I also <laughs> dropped my phone a lot. Like, yeah. it, and I've just never had one. And I had the question at the time, I was like, why do, like my wife's had multiple crack screens. She, she has iPhones. I was like, why do iPhone screens crack all the time? I see, I see them all the time with cracked screens. And I just didn't know. I, I'm thinking to myself, like, do they do they make a different type of screen yeah, that just yeah. breaks easier? Like, what is the deal? Because I just have an experience. them annually. Yeah. <laughs> you can sell them it's, more screens. It's genius. It's more genius than the, than the algorithms. <laughs> it's the cracked a, screen technology. Because it's direct theory. money from your pocket to their pocket. <laughs> I have a theory, though, that it's um, people that are less... Um, maybe technically inclined, right? That don't love their technology as much. I know that's probably going to contradict anything that you would think about from an Apple fanboy perspective, but do you know what I mean? Like if you have somebody that really loves technology, they're going to take care of it and like, I don't know, whatever. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm totally off on that. I don't know. Right. I'm just maybe pointing out that like I drop my who... phone all the time. Like I was jumping oh, on okay. a trampoline yeah, um, the, the other day and I took my phone and I just, it has this real large net over it. And I took my phone because it kept just bouncing around. I just threw it over it 
because I had zero concerns in any way, shape, or form that that phone was going to have a problem like being thrown off of a trampoline. Okay, well, you just destroyed my theory. Never mind. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just kind of a an, an interesting thing to me is is seeing that they've broken. But I, I do want to close the the Oracle um, and uh, TikTok thing on kind of a funny note. I saw a tweet yesterday from Danny Trin or Trin. I don't know who he is, but he has a verified Twitter account, so he's definitely very important. <laughs> uh, very important. Um, <laughs> and his opinion is very astute, um, or at least the point he's making. Imagine you're the VP of engineering at TikTok who has to tell everyone you're switching from AWS to Oracle Cloud. <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> oh, I had a good that's laugh. That's awesome. That was, a good one. that was a good one. Oh, man. Well, I have to drop. I've, I've got a conflict, um, so I'm going to have to back out. If we want to close it down, we can close it down. If you guys want to keep talking, I will just slight, slink off into the not night. Okay. Is there anything else we need, we need to cover for the Monday morning, or should we just break it down right now? Let's break it down right now. I think it's been a good one. Okay. It has. Awesome. This has been educational for me, Gina. I appreciate it uh, coming in, especially with the background. Um, love the... the uh, librarian back you know sort of uh, back education just getting us to that first source um I, I think we need more of that in general but that was that was great so thank you thank you for joining us thank you for having me and uh that brings another tech breakfast podcast to a close y'all thanks for joining us in general and for giving us a listen thanks for subscribing thanks for sharing with your friends you can get us on amazon podcasts now as aaron mentioned at the beginning so if uh if you weren't already streaming us through all of your smart devices on some other platform uh give it a yell tweet about it let us know what you think what we missed come join us on a show and we'll talk to you wednesday later 